Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Pero Let, Let Me, me tell, tell You. Dale. Oye, ¿tuviste quién parió? La Cardi B. La Cardi B. What's her name? Bar Barclays. Belcalci. We should know that she's Dominican. Like, I know, but you know me and Cardi B. I mean, I don't dislike her as a person. Like, I think she's fun, but I'm not a fan. You know I love me some Cardi I B. I know you do. Did you hear what she named her daughter? Culture with a K. Culture with a K. I like, I mean... I don't like it, but it makes sense for her. Mm, maybe now she'll gonna hang out with those freaking Kardashian. Most likely, actually, it's funny you say Cardi B. So, um, I just started at this place where I'm working now. There's a, there's a guy who the other day was saying that his grandmother, his again, I'm thinking it's his Cuban grandmother, says that Cardi B is her spirit animal, but she calls her Cardi B. That is the greatest thing I've heard today. <laughs> that Cardi B is her spirit animal. Yeah, Cardi B is her spirit animal. Listen, if I wanted a spirit animal, it'd be Cardi B. Are we rec we're recording? We are recording. Well, welcome yes. to episode 23, everyone. <laughs> Hey guys, how's everybody out there? ¿Cómo está todo el mundo? Are we ready for la Copa Mundial? Well, I mean, at this point we have to be because it's happening. <laughs> Radar shine. shine. It's happening in Russia. Yeah. France and Croatia. Who are you going for? I mean, I don't know what they make in Croatia, but I like eclairs. So I'm going to go for France. Okay. Well, I love your reasoning. Um, <laughs> I, as you know, and I think a previous episode I mentioned that I always go for England. That's true. And England, unfortunately, was beat out by Croatia. Yes. So no offense to Croatia. Those but damn I'm going, Croats. I'm going pour la France. Okay. Vive la France. Vive la France. Yes. J'aime la France. France. Je parle un peu de français. Je te dis dans Paris. Yeah. J'aime la France. French and, poodle. And j'aime... Uh, oui, a French poodle. Uh, uh, <laughs> en français... <laughs> I also love Eric. You know? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yes, I was. You know, for a split second, I was just like the prince from The Little Mermaid. Uh, no, because that's, that's, that's not a French fairy tale. So, Eric, if you listen to our podcast, uh, Jean Bocou and Vive la France, and I don't France know if he's wins. listening, but I saw today that we actually had somebody who listened in the Republic of Korea. Oh, really? Yes. So. Was it north or south? It just said the Republic of Korea, but on some level, I kind of hope it's like Kim Jong-un. 
<laughs> it would be a lot more like controversial if like they're listening to us in North Korea. I know, and it'd be great because like, they probably love us. I you know, know they probably they do. get so, it. They get it. So North Korea. if they your do. favorite did not make it into the World Cup final, there's always Qatar in 2024. Don't but we have it? In, uh... We are 2028. Oh, okay. So in 2028, and it's going to be like In 2028, all... we're going to have a special, but let me tell you, by that time, we'll be like an episode 700. No, <laughs> we'll be in like episode, I, do math. I don't know, thousand something. So that'll be great. You know, for whether your team made it or not, we hope you enjoy your World Cup. Well, it's still Cup. better than the U.S. We didn't make it. The, yes, your World Cup parties. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that even though soccer is, or football, is not big in the United States, Americans, we still get into the World Cup? To a degree. I think we do. I mean, obviously, because we're in South Florida. So, like, South Florida, New York, Chicago, LA, probably it's a little skewed. Yeah, it probably is, but we still get into it. Des Moines, probably not that big into it. What we just don't get into is the Eurovision. (laughs) (sighs) But that's. We just don't care about Conchita Worst. But, you know, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. I mean, you know, you don't care when there's a bearded man in a dress and nobody's watching. Yeah, yeah. That was what, like, Three, four years ago? Probably, yeah. 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 So, anyway, bueno, the World Cup. E, e. So, what, what else is going on this In week? Episode 23. We're, ver- I- we're, ver- we're very happy that they, I know we're not going to talk about it, but we're happy they rescued those those children out of the cave. Yes, the, right. out of the, the cave in the... Philippines. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yo todavía no entiendo how they got in there, by the way. Because it, it was kind of like a rite of passage. To and, go into a cave? Yeah, what I what I found really odd. That's way too symbolic for What me. I found really odd was that it's not only that they were hiking or, or going in this cave. It's Have you seen the map and the trajectory of the cave? It's, it's Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand how they got there it, because it's like, it wasn't like, oh, a little cave. Let me walk no, in. No, they no, purposely like, went in, but it's they, like had they, to. They, they had to climb things and yeah, then go yeah, down. Yeah. And, 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 Ghana. and I mean, there's a part which they weren't able to go. They weren't able to with the, 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 the oh, tanks. Yes, the yes, yes, that's right. Tanks. The oxygen tanks. They didn't fit through it. So obviously when they were going in and there wasn't any water, it was still a tight space. Right. Wasn't that a signal of like, don't go any further? <laughs> But you the know, only thing I know about Thailand is the donuts. Obviously, we're glad they're out. But yeah. um, but yes, we have a very exciting interview today. Yes, yes. Coming up, we have Tony Hernandez, who's one of the co-founders of the Immigrant Archive Project. And we were very um, honored not yes. only to have interviewed him, but they also interviewed both of us for their project. Yeah. And, and and something I kind of want to clarify because I think a lot of people will hear like, "Oh, it's immigrant arc. Oh, immigration. It's going to be political." I actually, because I'm the one who edits the the episodes, I will say all things considered, it's not as political as it could have gone. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of did a good job of just keeping it talking about... <laughs> we did a great job. <laughs> well, we did a great job because, you know, we're humble that way. But we did a good job about keeping it sort of just about, A, the, the foundation, the project, the project, but also just about what immigrants have brought to this country. Not necessarily... I mean, we touched upon it here and there because you have to. I think it would be ignorant not to, but we didn't make it a... A rail one way or the other. Right, but I think politics. it's important. And I, and I want to say because I don't want anybody to be turned off. But I think it's important. I mean, obviously, immigration is something that is very a very hot topic right now. But I think that, you know, even devoid of that, it's still the stories and, and what this project does is something that needs to be told. Oh, absolutely. These, these are stories that need to be told. So whether it's the heated climate that we live in now... Mm-hmm. 
or 10 years ago that immigration wasn't as much of an issue uh, or as debated as it is now. Correct. Um, it's, it's still these stories that need to be told. And Tony, it's our story. It's, it is our story. It's all of our stories. It's stories. all of our stories. Really. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. And, I and, meant the collective hour, like the royal week. What, what you know, the immig- Immigrant Archive Project is doing is, I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great interview. So um, make sure you guys take a listen to the interview with Tony. And it, you and know, visit the website, guys. It's it's absolutely fantastic. We're gonna to we're actually stories. going to post some yeah. links uh, mm-hmm. regarding that, and we're also going to be posting our videos that yeah. the archive project did for us. So we in a museum, y'all. We're a museum. <laughs> so anyway, so in our scheduled programming today, there's Ooh. something I kind of wanted to touch base with you. There's um, always something you want to touch is, base on with me. Yes, there is, <laughs> which is kind of going on now. Oite lo de Scarlett Johansson. I poor Scar Jo. Scarlett Johansson can catch a break. Especially with that bad haircut she has. <laughs> let's let's set up a little bit what's going so, on. So parece un caco. So Scarlett Johansson um, was casted in a film called Rub and Tug, which tells the story of a transgender man, a man called... Uh, Dante Tex uh, Gill, who mm-hmm. he owned a massage parlor in, in Pittsburgh, like underground sex industry right. in the 1970s. And, um, they're, you know, obviously they're making like a biopic about him. Mm-hmm. And she got casted. Well, and to be clear, it's a man who is transgender. Right. So they ca- essentially they cast a woman to play a man who used to be a woman. Yes. Right? I mean, that's, yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So Correct. he is a transgender male. Correct. So she got casted and all hell broke loose. Uh, people within the transgender community are saying that this is unfair, that there's so many trans actors out there that don't get casted and don't even get looked at. Um, you know, different activists were very offended by this. They mm-hmm. want to boycott her. They want to boycott the movie. Uh, I mean, she's in major hot water for this casting. So I guess the question is, and the conversation is, you know, when you're doing a biopic on something, mm-hmm. well, or any subject for that matter, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to necessarily be a biopic. These are actors. Do Should we cast people that are kind of related or akin to whatever role they're playing or is an actor an actor an actor can play anyone or anything they want it's one of those double-edged sword type situations right because on the one hand it's like well gay actors can play straight don't only cast them as gay guys but then it's like well but if you're doing a movie about selena don't Cast somebody who's Italian. Cast some, you know what I mean. So I get both sides I'm, of the actually, coin. Actually, it's funny that you brought up Selena. Okay, remember that Jennifer Lopez got a lot of crap because she wasn't Mexican. She, she, because she was Puerto Rican, right? And then the whole thing was like, okay, but she's Latina, right? So, but yes. So it's what it, you're saying. You you almost on some level can't win on either right. side of the coin, right? Right. With that said, now I completely agree. There's a lot of trans actors out there. I would mm-hmm. say. You know, you know, there's actors of all kinds, and I think could one of them have been cast in this role? Absolutely, I think they would do a great job, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, with that said, it's funny because I see all of these, um, these you know, think pieces, these articles, and they're all just like, oh, there's just there's so many known trans actors. I'm gonna ask you for a split second. Name me a trans actor who isn't Laverne Cox. Laverne Cox. No, I said <laughs> who Laverne isn't Cox. Laverne Cox. Exactly. Laverne Cox. Yeah. Exactly. So. My rebuttal to this on some level is that if you are looking at this from a business perspective, you, yes, can you go out there and cast a trans actor? Absolutely. But will casting an unknown trans actor garner the attention 
to a movie that a name might. It might. You know, it might. I mean, I, I don't I don't have a crystal ball. You know, you might cast somebody who's like, wow, tremenda dita. And, you know, just blew him out of the way. And, you know, here's the performance of a lifetime. And they got nominated for every award from here to the BAFTAs. Right. But from a business perspective, you know, you may want to hew, or, you know, on the side of caution, business caution. Which is to say, well, if I get Scarlett Johansson, who's part of the freaking Marvel Cinematic Universe... People are going to pay attention to that movie mm-hmm. and by extension to the story mm-hmm. and to this person's story and get perhaps more awareness about, you know, what trans people may go through. I think on some level, this is a case of, and again, I don't know anybody involved with this movie. I don't know anything about the director, the writer, the producers, the casting directors, whatever. But I think it may be a case where the outcome was less than than optimal. But I don't necessarily think anybody went into this with the intention of saying like, oh, we're going to keep those he, she's out of this. Right. You know, like, I don't think that was the intention necessarily. I also don't think that she should be brunting. She didn't hire herself unless she's well, the writer, director, my, producer. My, my, my whole thing with this. So go, going with what you're saying is, you know, the first thing I would look at is, and I, I don't know this. Maybe do you know? Do you know what studio is doing it? I do not. So okay, it could they may be, not even have a studio it, yet. It, it may be an independent film, right? Or maybe an independent film, and they or need maybe, to get funding, right? Or maybe it's like a high budget film. We don't know. But what I just don't understand is why, like, all the hate has gone to her because, because she's the face of the movie. Obviously, she yes, she is. But I think that bottom line, everybody knows, and and a lot of people who've criticized this are people who are activists mm-hmm. or or tra- other transgender actors. Mm-hmm. You know. People are casted by casting directors. Correct. Right? So if she is given this job, she took the job. I mean, she's an actress. I mean, she could have turned it down. She could Fair have turned, enough. She could have, she could have said it. absolutely not. But, you know, but, but you maybe know she wanted the story to get out there. Right. Or maybe she feels that this is something that could challenge her. True. Right? True. Right? Something that could challenge her. Yeah. Or you know what? Maybe it could be a simple business decision as she's not getting casted for anything else. Yeah, listen, well, that Black Widow m- movie, that Black Widow money is going to be around for a couple right, of years. But, but what I'm saying Between is... Between action know, figures and bed especially, sheets, especially her now... That she's part of the Marvel universe. She may you know, be trying to show a range. Right. Because that whole okay. Marvel thing, that's a blessing and a curse. Yes. You're going to be part of these huge, gigantic movies that make $200 million. But you're always Black Widow. Right. But as an artist, <laughs> yeah. as an artist, you probably want to show range. Correct. So I totally get that. Um, I just, again, I don't know why the hate is going towards her. I, I if, if I was a transgender um, actor, I would focus my... My energy, efforts, yeah. my efforts, and my protest, which I, I very much think they have a right to protest, to the studios, to casting directors. You know, why aren't more transgender actors being casted? You know, whether it's for background roles or main roles, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a movie that is... Um, you know, a movie about, about tra- a transgender, transgender person, or even if it's not a movie about a transgender person, because let's be honest, Laverne Cox is enough of a household name now that Laverne Cox can get casted as the girl next door. Yeah, on some level. I, I, she can, I mean, to a degree. She, yeah, she yeah, 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 yeah. She's a household name. Right. She's a household name. But when you're doing a biopic about a, a person, you can't, if the guy was a white man. <laughs> what I found really interesting. You can't cast Laverne Cox. What I found really interesting about. Um, Scarlett Johansson's response is the following. And I'm going to read her actual response. Okay. She said, Tell them they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman. Because these are all major actors mm-hmm. who've Correct. played transgender characters. And, I mean, Jared Leto won an Academy Award for this. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeffrey Tambor on um, Transparent has won Transparent. Award He's won a bunch of awards. And Felicity Huffman was nominated for an Oscar as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they've gotten critical acclaim on these movies or shows. And I, I, I don't know. I don't remember it being as big as it is well, the I th- protest. I think in the case of let's, I guess let's start in order with Jeffrey Tambor. I think because we were going through that transition journey. Okay. You cast a man, it's okay, quote unquote, because you're because he started off as male, right? Because you're starting the... off as as a man, so I could right. see the okay, fine, we're okay with that because you're you're chronicling the journey from male to female. Mm-hmm. So you start off with male. I get it. With Felicity Huffman on the reverse, I believe that her character, and I, I saw, I don't remember Trans America, although I do remember seeing it. Her character, by the time we meet her, is has already gone through the transition to be a woman. So essentially, she's playing a woman who used to be a man. I don't know the Jared Leto situation, but with Scarlett Johansson, it's that she's a woman who's playing a man. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had to, you didn't cast uh, maybe you know they would have felt differently had they cast a man who had mm-hmm. you know and say oh he used to be a woman. I don't know. I'm just right. I, I'm saying those are the differences. I, just, I think I just think that every time something like this happens, I I'm of the opinion that the protest and outrage gets focused to the wrong person because we kind of made mention of this in an earlier episode when we were talking about the Gianni Versace um, mm, yes, show yes, yes, with, where a lot of people Chris. were outraged that Darren Chris, who is straight, was playing a gay character. Well, he's an actor. That is what actors do. And yes, there are plenty of gay characters that could have played, uh, you know, gay yeah, right, actors right, right. that could have played that. But, but maybe none of them were right for the role. Or maybe he, you know, he came in there and That's what I'm saying. None the of them producer, were right for the role. Know. Right. Um, also, you know, you would have gotten the flip side of it. It's like, oh, you know, you only cast gay guys when it's the villain. Right. It's like, you know, you weren't going to win. I'll say, I know. But, yeah, but again, not. I mean, I think that the outrage, and it, it, it's sort of similar when... Oscars go through what they call what the whiteout or the, the blackout. The, 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 the Oscar so white, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever, there, whatever, there's yeah. not a lot of movies with African Americans in lead roles. Well, that's a problem I think with studios. You know, mm-hmm. you need to make more movies that you know having you know that are inc- have inclusion. You need to make more mm-hmm. more whether it's romantic comedies, w- whatever type of mainstream correct, movie. Correct. You need to have cast and make more movies that feature, feature that. a predominantly African American cast or you need to make more movies that give an opportunity to transgender people. Whatever mm-hmm. or the Asians, minority or Spanish, Asians, whatever. What, it doesn't it doesn't end what, correct. Whatever. But I think that that is an issue with the studio, which there certainly is an issue. I mean, there certainly is. Yeah. There certainly is. But that's an issue with the studio, not the actor. That is what an actor does. Correct, but I think that the 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 approach is if you go after the most public face associated well, yes, with something, you yes. draw attention to it. Right. Because like if right now they were going to be like, oh, let's go attack, you know, Ethel and accounting right. at MGM. Well, right. I don't know. Right. And most people, most lay people that are not in the industry don't know the name of casting director. Exactly. So, I mean, I just, again, obviously, should more trans actors, uh, you know, be given the opportunity Absolutely. to be in mainstream movies or in shows? Of course, of course. But, I mean, I don't think it's an issue with Scarlett Johansson. And I've read some of the comments, and, I mean, they're, like, off with her head. <laughs> I mean, but, okay, well, like I said, I guarantee you most of them are on Twitter. And we all know, as we said many times on the show, Twitter is the outlet for, like, when you use Twitter, it just smells like sulfur. That's how much <laughs> demonic shit is coming out of Twitter. Ugh. 
Oh, Twitter. We're lucky our Twitter, we haven't had any major... Twi- well, I think we only have like 12 followers, but... Well, <laughs> no, we have more. Well, we, yeah, we don't have a huge presence in Twitter. No, no. Although we have had, we had a little issue with someone... But you know what? That, that that's a great example. You right. know, when it, we had an issue with a listener yeah. who who stated, who stated an opinion, which is, which is fantastic, and it, it's funny because and we welcome all of you guys to bring send us your opinions at pero let me podcast at gmail Leave us reviews on Apple. I mean, but that was a good example on how somebody completely read or some well because we all bring our own experiences to things right took something that we said completely differently than not only than what we said but what we intended to say so you know in this this vile social social media media world world of hell (laughs) but we're not vile we're friendly we are we're wonderful human beings we're sitting we're sitting here on a wednesday it's nice and rainy outside it's not wednesday it's a friday it's a friday no, it's a Wednesday. We don't record this at like freaking four in the morning to come out at eight a.m. Our listeners don't know that they know everything. They're we're in their car right now as they're driving. Our to listeners work. know everything because we have smart listeners. Okay, whatever. We do. <laughs> we love our listeners. So, beat what premiered a couple of weeks ago, and it's all over TV. Okay. Double Dare. Oh yay! I I love that it's like almost identical physical challenges yes. and the obstacle course. Yes, yes. Lo único que cambió es que ahora Mark Summers está canoso. Yes. And I actually love... I like the host. She's I, cute. She's cute. But I love that they kept him, you know? In some capacity. They yeah, kept yeah, him. yeah, yeah, I yeah. I mean, yeah, and he yeah, has yeah. a big role. It's not like... Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying it's not like they just brought him on, like, right. Mark Summers double there. Right. No. I mean, I understand, obviously, Mark Summers was to be, what, in his 60s? So... He's, like, 65. So, if yes, if it's a Nickelodeon show that you have the 60-some-year-old guy... But and, what, yeah, he looks great. You no, know, he looks fine. But I understand that they're obviously going to change... The younger demographic. The, the host, because of the demographic. But, oh, yeah, don't say how old was Mark Summers when we were watching it. Probably in his early 30s. Okay. okay. Yeah. He was probably in his early 30s. And, you know. But it's just funny because back then, he was in his, he was about our age, give or take. Mm-hmm. And he was like the adult. And yeah. now the host, she's like 19. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I think it's great, yeah, that they they really honored the legacy of the show. They didn't change anything. No, at all. The they didn't modernize it. Exactly unquote. the same. Yeah. Uh, instead of an analog clock, they have a digital one now. Well, okay, I'll, get, I'll allow it. But you know what? I have to say that have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've okay. seen a couple episodes, yeah. Watching it, it really made me forget. It was like I was 10 years old again watching it. I felt the same way. I Yeah. I, I felt the same way. Like, I wanted to jump down that mouth and the, you know, yes, the tongue and yes. put my hand up the nostril. And, and it's look so for the funny flag. because, you know, we hadn't seen this show in so many years that, like, you go back to it. Like, you know the obstacle course where they have the pancakes? Yes. That I'm always like, the butter. turn the pancake. Turn it. It's under the... <laughs> the little tricycle <laughs> yeah. with the brick wall. But you know the pancake one? They always they always look at the top. The, the butter. They yeah, always the butter. look at the butter. The butter. Like, I'm like, no, flip it. Flip the damn thing. So it's like, Ugh. I was like back to being 10 years old watching Double Dare. Um, the only thing that's different now are the prizes. The prizes suck. Yeah, I felt like they earned less money now. No, the prizes when we were, when we used I, to watch I, I don't it, know what the, kids, prizes were. the prizes were like, you know, game consoles. It was like, a bike. A, it, like... It, no, it would be, we, we looked it up online. Oh. It, it was like, if you got through the whole obstacle course, uh-huh. you won like a family trip yeah, to Bush Gardens. Yeah, you get like a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you get now? <laughs> now you get like a guitar, hero guitar. <laughs> Tanta cosa in a minute, and I get a guitar hero guitar. Isn't that game discontinued? And when it was family, when it was family double dare, you used to get a car. No, you get get a car. car. You used to get a car, a minivan. That's right. (laughs) Aww. But no, it's so great. 
La economía no está como estaba No, antes. no. Es, es uh, you know, the, what is it? Inflation. Inflation, ¿verdad? La inflation. Inflation. So. Like, I think even the pancakes look a little smaller. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes I think, did they have, like, these, like, you know, the nose? Yeah. The way you have to pick the nose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, did they have that, like, put away? Because it's not like they had that, like they, that nose like, for anything they, else. They, they, they dusted it off. Because they look exactly the same. They probably are. That, but, yeah, so Double Dare is airing on Nickelodeon. I actually watch it, like, at midnight. I am starting to guess that that's not its I think it's first, at 8 o'clock. It's first run time. Yes. But... <laughs> it's at 8 o'clock, I think, on Mondays. Or I think it's all day, all week, no? Isn't it, like, five days a week? Or... I don't know. I just catch it when I catch it. I catch but... it, like, marathons on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's great. And for those of you, like yes. us, who I actually up. met Mark Summers once yeah? at the Food and Wine because you know he did a lot of stuff with Food right. Network. Could not be nicer. Right. Could, Could not be nicer. Wouldn't have been bad if he was a total jerk. I was so like it's one of those moments where you're like, I need to go and say hi to him because it's Mark Summers, but you what if he's an asshole? Yeah. He was could not be nicer. He right. was just such a sweet. Pero bueno, as with I said, that said, guys, if you see us in public, come up to us. We're very nice. Us. Look, and not if I'm eating, because not because I'll be rude, but you might just pull back like one finger less. Because when I'm eating, it's just no holds barred. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I've been there a lot when he eats. Yeah. But anyway, with Double Dare, for those of you like us who grew up watching Double Dare, take a look at it. It's on, you know, obviously it's on Nickelodeon. Yep. It will literally, I mean, It'll it will really you. take you back, and you're yep. gonna be ten years old again watching the show and having fun and you know wanting to do the physical challenge i always just wanted to do the obstacle course uh, no i always wanted to do the physical challenge why because it was a physical challenge okay it was right. fun so <laughs> anyway bueno, uh time to uh have a word from our sponsor yes we're gonna switch gears now and when we come back we will be speaking with tony hernandez from the immigrant archive project so stay tuned guys Oye, mi gente, this is Ish. Just a quick side note, if you guys loved our episode last week with the Colada Boys and you want to get more cafecito in your life, visit coladaboys.com and use promo code PLMTY10, that's PLMTY10, it's a 10% discount brought to you by who? Pero let me tell you, that's right, you can go there and get some really cute shirts, hats, I mean, all of it not only has the Colada Boys logo, but it's got espumita. That's P-L-M-T-Y-10 for 10% off your order at coladaboys.com. Head over there now, guys. Hey, listeners. Welcome back. This is Ish. And we're myself and DJ are actually sitting here with Tony Hernandez, the co-founder of the Immigration Archive Project. Really, it's I think it's a fantastic organization that's really sole mission is basically preserving all of the history of the immigrant experience in the U.S. And it's really an honor to be sitting here across from you. So thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you, you for so joining much. us. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. And um, we're, um, I mean, we're extremely thrilled and honored to have you on the show. Um, and I mean, th things like what you do is very important. So please let our listeners know exactly who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, well, as you said, my name is Tony Hernandez, and I created a project called the Immigrant Archive Project uh, in 2008. And what the project sets out to do is uh, we basically created an oral history project, the first of its kind, solely dedicated to recording, archiving, sharing the stories of the immigrant experience in the U.S. at this point in our, in our history. Um, so what started out as a sort of, you know, crazy idea, let's say, to go out and interview some friends and family and get them to share some of the stories that I know you guys heard growing up, because you know you yeah. guys come from an immigrant background also, the idea was to take these stories and give them a national platform. And uh, this is a nonprofit project 
my my day job. I am a president and CEO of a wired uh, Spanish language radio network. So we took some of this content and put it on Spanish language stations and realized that it really resonated with the audience. You know, mm-hmm. so what started out as you know, reaching out to friends and family and neighbors and a couple dozen interviews has turned into well north of a thousand uh, narratives right now. We've recorded in cities wow. across the country with every sort of, you know, socioeconomic uh, strata and background you can imagine. We've recorded uh, the stories of Grammy Award winners and Oscar winners and factory workers and migrant farmers and single moms and mm-hmm you know, soldiers, you name it, yeah. And to, just to clarify, because obviously, you know, Tony Hernandez and me and DJ are Hispanic, it is not just the Hispanic immigrant experience, but rather it is the immigrant experience overall. So it's not just, you know, limited to that, correct? That's right. I'm glad you brought that up because that's key, yeah. We didn't want to just pigeonhole us in in within the Hispanic community for, for several reasons. Uh Number one, we sort of felt intuitively that the experience is indeed a universal experience. Um, and you can't sort of highlight that if you don't record multiple stories. So we have indeed set out and recorded stories from you know immigrants, basically every nationality. Now, you said it started in 2008. Obviously, given the current climate, we can see the, the importance as we see all these viral videos of people being harassed for speaking mm. a different language. Right. But... I mean, 2008 was a different time. Uh, you know, why? What sparked your idea that this needs to be preserved? This needs to be recorded. It's a, it's a wonderful observation. It was indeed a very different time. It was uh, the backdrop to what created this project. There was a certain positive feeling in the air. There was, a, you know, sort of this can-do spirit mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, but already at the time we started seeing the conversation around immigrants and immigration begin to take a very negative turn. Uh, it's nowhere where it is today, uh, but on certain particularly news outlets, cable news outlets, we saw immigrants being accused of all kinds of things. Um, so having had the, the good fortune of being raised in an immigrant community and, and, and seeing what that community is really all about, we said, look, maybe maybe this could make a difference if we went out and recorded the dinner table conversations that we all grew up around, you know. Right. And in the community that I grew up in, 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 in New Jersey, uh, there were immigrants from, from Cuba, uh, Italian immigrants, uh, you know, people that had been here for no more than a generation from Ireland, a uh, smattering of Colombians, a ton of Puerto Ricans. And these were success stories. These are all, you know, just unbridled success stories. And, and, and I look back at, you know, at the crew that we used to run around with on my block. You know, all of our <laughs> parents were, you know, all blue collar, take your lunch pail to work kind of guys. And I, you know, I, I, I look back and the parenting was, was wonderful parenting, was wonderful parenting. You know, you were out on the street and you knew that you were safe. There was always someone looking out, not only after their own kids, but after the neighborhood kids. And if you stepped out of line, the neighbor had no problem come and knock on your parents' door and let them know that you're, you know, this kid was acting up and yeah. being a fool, you know? And I look at where those kids are today, and the overwhelming majority of them are, are very successful. And, and I don't mean successful from just from a monetary standpoint, because that doesn't define success in my book. Uh, but in, in many cases, professionals um, gone on to create ad agencies and, 
You know, one is a retired general. Uh, wow. Yeah, university professors. And these are kids that if you if you took a look at their reality back then, <clears throat> you would think, wow, they're going to have a tough go. You know, they've got too many... They've got too many disadvantages. They've got uneducated parents. They've got parents that don't speak the language. They're in an inner city where they don't necessarily have the best schools. Strike, 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 yeah. strike. Yeah. But guess what? They, 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 they had more going for them than met the eye. What would you say? Because obviously, you know, there, we live in a time of progress, and one can make the argument that a society is in the United States. We, you know, there's been progress in so many fronts. What would you say is different from the immigration experience, let's say, of the 1950s, the 1940s, 1950s, post-war, to the immigration experience nowadays? A couple of, a couple of things. Uh, the first that comes to mind is back in the 1950s, and we, we, we had alluded uh, to this earlier, there, was no, there were no shortage of factory jobs. There were a lot of factories uh, throughout most urban centers. So if you were, you know, if you were a young, uh, hardworking guy without much of an education, you can go out and you can find a job on a factory floor. And that's how a lot of, you know, immigrants yeah. manage to pull themselves up. And let's face it, who, who, who tends to emigrate? Those who are in need of uh, of more opportunity. Yeah, I've yet to hear of any rich person say, you know what, I'm just going to give all this up and start from scratch for no yeah, reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Not a lot of Italian vineyard owners, no, you know, no, 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 came no, no, over no. Yeah. Uh, uh, through Ellis Island. Yeah. No, no. Uh, and, and, and the same with uh, every other group, whether they're Germans or Jews or, or Poles or, you know, whatever. Um, so that was the launching pad for an awful lot of generations of immigrants. That's no longer the case today. You know, those jobs are no longer around. So it's much more difficult from that standpoint. It's easier in many regards because there are, you know, communities like Miami, for example, or like New York or Los Angeles or many parts in Texas where if you come, particularly from a Spanish-speaking country, you can find a Spanish-speaking doctor and a right. Spanish-speaking lawyer and, you know, whatever you need, whether it's an auto mechanic that will speak your language. So from that standpoint, it's a little bit easier. Uh, but uh, on the whole, it's a tough experience today. It's a very tough experience today. Because you would, yeah, as I said, you would think that with all the progress we've made, it would be a more seamless experience, but it, it, it doesn't appear to be that way, especially now. <laughs> Especially now. And, 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 and the flip side of that also, now that you know, we've got so much technology at our fingertips, you know, I talk to people who in many cases may have left uh, family at home and they're able to virtually tuck kids in from the United States, something that wasn't available, mm-hmm. you know, not right. that long sure. ago. And it, it, it doesn't replace that human interaction, that touch, that feel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it certainly comes a lot closer than right. what certainly previous generations experienced. Right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can retain that connection a little more readily than, than you used to be able to. It's amazing. I, uh, I interviewed a, uh, uh, a young Chinese woman uh, in L.A. And uh, she was telling me how her mother would, would, would send her messages from China. That she would, you know, she would hear through social media that there had been an earthquake in L.A. and she had no idea. She hadn't felt it. She hadn't heard about it. And she was getting the text message from mother all the way from China. Because mothers know. <laughs> mothers what, always know. What do. would you say, you know, based on all the research that you've done, is the biggest misunderstanding 
of the you know of immigrants in general? I think the biggest understanding when it comes to immigrants is a total and complete lack of understanding as to why they come. Mm-hmm. Why is it they're coming? You know, there's there's for certain political gain there there's been a narrative going on for far too long that immigrants are here to take our jobs, immigrants are here for handouts. You know, they didn't they're, they're not here to work as hard as my grandfather did or my father did. I can tell you they come for the exact same reason they've been coming from day one, mm-hmm. from day one, from day one. Uh, and time and time again, it's proven. You know, you look at the FBI statistics. Uh, the most law-abiding people in this country happen to be immigrants, happen to be immigrants. You know, the sweet spot within our prison system are males, I believe it's 18 to 34. You know, they're not a lot of 80-year-old bank robbers out there. Yeah. You know, you know they're, not, they're not really getting deep into the shit at that age. It's a much younger crew. You look at a native-born male, 18 to 34, and uh, I don't want to give you false statistics, but it's uh, many, many times more likely mm-hmm. to be incarcerated than, than an immigrant. Far less likely to cause trouble. And, and, and I happen to think if you're the type that is willing to cause trouble that's willing to walk into a liquor store, willing right. to break into your neighbor's house, you're not going to risk everything to come here and wash dishes. You're going to st- stick up your neighbor's house or put a gun to somebody's ribs in your own country. Yeah. You're not... Just you easier. Know? Yeah, yeah. Are there elements of that in the community? Of course there are. That's just part of the human element. But it's a, it's a very, very small minority. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just speak on behalf of Cubans everywhere as I do and they don't want me to but um <laughs> no i think there's some truth to what you're saying obviously because i think a big part of it is we see it within our own community where it's like oh the cubans that are coming now oh no those aren't as good as the cubans that came 20 years ago but 20 years ago what was coming was the rafters lo Cero. and when they were coming it's like oh lo Cero. yeah but then before them you know and before so it's like wait a minute so every time there's a new crop of of immigrants (laughs) those are the bad ones now the past was good but they were bad 20 years ago and in that case and and you're absolutely right and in that case that's happening within the same group imagine over years when it's the Italians speaking this way about the Poles or it's the Germans talking that way about the Jews or you know it becomes so much easier for it to happen it's sort of I think it's I think it's kind of like in our in our DNA and it's part of what has kept us alive for so long being weary of the other mm-hmm. and back when we were cavemen well maybe that other tribe would indeed come in here and you know rape and pillage and <laughs> yeah. stuff but 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 we've evolved or at least we've had enough time to evolve we should be evolved and we should be able to learn from from this and and, and no longer fear the other the way we have yeah, yeah. that's true yeah Fair assessment with you know, especially since you've you've interviewed so many, you know, different people from different nationalities. You know, from people from Hispanic or Latino uh, Latin countries to Asians, as you said. Right. What would you say is the common thread between all these people coming to the U.S. that binds them together? And you know, in, in the experience of being an immigrant, because somebody who's Asian is it's such a different culture and so different than somebody who is Mexican. Let's say right. Yeah, culturally, there are many, many differences. What I think binds this group together is, number one, a very strong belief that this is the best country in the world. And there's a reason why of all the places in the world, they pick this to throw their hat in the ring and and try to make it. So some of the most patriotic 
you know, uh, uh, America-loving people I've ever met have fallen within this group of a thousand plus people that I've interviewed. That's 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 number one. Number two, an amazing sense of gratitude, a tremendous sense yeah. of gratitude, and in many cases, grateful, even for some of the most difficult, most most heart wrenching moments that they've had to that they've had to live through. You know, it's all been part of this experience, and it's been and and it's been worth it, and it's been worth it. I had the opportunity to interview a a, a young mother uh, recently uh, who lost a son at the Parkland uh, shooting okay. and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And it was by far the single most difficult interview I've ever conducted. And I, I had to ask her a very difficult question. Uh, it was a logical question in, in, in the context of why I was interviewing her. I had to ask her. Her husband, uh, Manuel Oliver and Patricia Oliver, that's a couple, they lost a son, Joaquin Oliver, um, so along with their daughter, they left Venezuela and came to the U.S. because they wanted to right. pull their children out of such a violent society. Right. They wanted for them to have. So she walks me through that day how she got the news that her son had been, or that there had been a shooting at the school, uh, which she learned that I, I don't know, maybe noon, twelve thirty in the afternoon, and didn't learn that her son was a casualty till about two thirty, three o'clock the following morning. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. So you can imagine the anguish that these poor people went through. So at one point, and it killed me to ask, but I had to, I said, um, looking back, would you, if given the chance, would you emigrate? Do you mm-hmm. regret having made that decision? And as stoically as you can imagine, she looked me in the eye. She said, not for a moment, not for a moment. She said, the conditions that led to our uh, emigrating from Venezuela are still present. That hasn't changed. While we were here, our son achieved the American dream. Right. Our son was happy. He was complete. He had a future. He had, you know, what 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 happened that day? I don't know how to explain it. It, it. I I leave that to God. But if given the opportunity to do it again, I do it all over again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And that, in, in, in a very extreme sort of way, just captures what so many immigrants, what so many immigrants feel. And regardless of whether you arrive on a you know, first-class ticket on American Airlines from Buenos Aires, or you cross the border from Mexico on the cover of night, or you arrive on a raft uh, as a Cuban rafter, what they all have in common is they know the pain associated with, with saying goodbye to family. Right. With saying goodbye to a culture. 
to a, 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 a known way of life, whether it's comfortable in the creature comfort sense or comfortable in that, you know, this is my tribe, uh, and venturing out into the wild and trying to, to make it on your own, you know? Do you feel that part of the rejection, if you will, of immigrants or the misunderstanding of immigrants has to do with people's lack of knowledge as to the conditions of their country of origin and they really don't have you know they don't have a clue as to venezuela for example which used to be you know venezuela was a pretty good country in terms of living conditions until not too long ago and now and now it's you know it's violent and uh people are starving do you feel that people just don't understand or don't know that what are the conditions in these countries of origin yes and no Yes and no. Is ignorance at the heart of this xenophobic um, sort of rise that we've seen recently? Absolutely. Ignorance is at the very, very heart of it. Um, but I remember years ago, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 55. I remember when I was in college and I went to school in the Midwest and there was a, there was a lot of ignorance with regard to other cultures and uh, You know, the average person I met out there was very well-versed in all things Americana, but couldn't pick Cuba out on a map, right. even though you can hit it with a baseball <laughs> from Key yeah. West, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And I don't particularly have a strong pitching. I was going to say, Tremendo, but also you got there. Cause <laughs> and, that's, it, and it's by far <laughs> the largest island in the Caribbean. <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, come on, you know. So so there was ignorance back then, but there wasn't, there wasn't this hateful... I feel there's like willful ignorance to some degree. Yeah. People it, are kind of proud of, I don't know, I don't care, I don't need to know. And it's like, but why not? Right. That's, right. that's sad. But that, I don't think, is due so much to ignorance as to what they've been fed down certain media channels day and night for a long time. And if the only media you consume, and let's face it, advertising works. Media works. Everybody knows what a Coca-Cola tastes like, yet they continue <laughs> to advertise. Mm-hmm. It's because it works. Right. Um, you know, you can sway a lot of people. And in many cases, in most cases, if not in every case, it's for political gain. It's simply for political gain, you know. Um, but, you know, that, 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 you know, what they should know is that that undocumented immigrant, they're not coming here to steal anybody's job. They're not coming here to take any you know, advantage of any welfare programs. Um, you remember the, the the phrase some years back that, that, that was very popular, they were throwing it around, was anchor babies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Women, they come here, they give birth to an anchor baby. You that's know. a heavy kid. That's heavy. If it's an anchor, damn. That's, that's a heavy, heavy kid. kid. But when you peel away the layers of that, you realize that, sure, you know, you, you have a 20-year-old woman that comes and, 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 and has a child, That child can't do anything for that woman until that child is 18 years old. And then once that child turns 18 years old, and the 20-year-old would be, what, 38? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a wait at that point that goes, extends at least 10 years. So now she's 48. I don't think a 20-year-old is going to great lengths. So that maybe <laughs> by the time she's 48, you know, there are other ways to go about it. Uh, but it was that kind of rhetoric that incited people And got them in many cases to 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 react as you were alluding to earlier, you know you you see people on video uh, screaming at others for speaking Spanish in public. Um, it's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous. It's just it's 
I don't even have a word for it. I mean, I'm honest. I'm just still thinking about the pipeline. I, I just, I, I, I find that um, with what I asked you and with what you were saying with previously is that when I would speak to people about my own experience in terms of, you know, my parents immigrated from Cuba, people would kind of be, oh, yeah, are things bad there? Um, uh, yeah, I, I heard there's like communism there, right? And I'm think, I mean, obviously, I have a perspective from it that is unique from somebody else because that's where my family's from. But I'm like, really? Like, I, I you don't know that? And it's a country that's 90 miles away from Key West <clears throat> and, and Latin America, which is <laughs> under us so, so close, but seems so far at the same time that people are oblivious as to the conditions. But of course, they're going to be oblivious. Stop and think. When was the last... Growing up, did you ever hear the evening news start with something in Latin America? Mm, not, no, not really, no. Except for... Univision or Telemundo. Yeah. Univision or Telemundo. Yeah. But nobody in general market watches Univision or Telemundo. Right. Unless they're there for the Sábado Gigante Girls or something, yeah. right? You always hear them talk about <laughs> the that. The Weather Girls, yeah. But, 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 but mainstream newscasts, they would start off with something in Europe, something in the Middle East... But they never talk about Latin America. So why would the average American know what's going on in Latin America? That it just it doesn't appear on their radar. It doesn't. Well, actually, that's a great point that, that you just made because when we see all these atrocities going on in Europe, whether mm -hmm. Syria and all that, I mean, those are horrific, horrific events that you know have we've cried and and you know been tortured with those images. But but right, they never put of the images of you know these people being massacred in mexico uh due to the drug lords and and all the you know the... But don't go that far i mean stick with venezuela venezuela's been going through this situation for how many years now and they're really not getting the coverage i it's, mean you it, and i it gets know, a, understand a dent, because uh, where like we're at, a very small dent because you know we're surrounded in the community with venezuelans and so we and being cuban we kind of can sympathize and things like that but there is no coverage the average person has no idea they have no clue no idea so, so do you think that media, whether directly or indirectly, has a role in this kind of bias against immigration? Oh, absolutely. 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 I don't know when was the last time you spent some time watching Fox News. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if, if that's all you're consuming, if that's the, the, the endless loop playing in the background in your head, then yeah, I mean, I can see why they would think that these immigrants are in fact you know, coming across the border and they're rapists and murderers. And, and what was it? Bad hombres? Uh, yeah. yeah, bad hombres. <laughs> bad hombres. Those bad hombres and nasty women. Yeah. Do you think that the current administration, and I don't want to get too political, um, the current administration has tapped into something that was already there or has kind of created, set a, created a, new, a new standard in terms of these, this anti-immigration narrative. I think the current administration tapped into something that hasn't always been there. I think it's sort of been a perfect storm. And you see parallels to what happened in South Africa. When you have a group that is, perhaps not too slowly, dwindling in numbers, and their complete and utter control of a society is not what they remember it to be. And it suddenly becomes a little more democratic. And it's a little bit more of a jump ball now. Okay? Mm -hmm. They start to lose control of things they took for granted. Um, you see this type of reaction. So while, while other groups, while multicultural wasn't a thing, 
and yeah. foreigners were a small kind of you know that's that's a cute thing you guys are mm-hmm. doing over there with your two or three Spanish language radio it's very stations. exotic <laughs> look at you guys that's great you know but then when that when when when, when that dude's a mayor and when God forbid one of these guys makes it into the Oval Office right. uh, and they start talking in 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 ways that perhaps aren't as comfortable in your circle then then yeah you'll see you'll see that 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 group go to great measures to hang on to power however they can. Well, and if it means power. gerrymandering districts mm-hmm. in order to get people to you know, have their vote count less, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where maybe 40 years ago that wasn't a thing, it's a thing now. Yeah, It's a thing now. And, and having been in, in primarily the Spanish language radio business for so long, you know, I joke around with some friends and I say, I hate to tell you, but I think my industry had something to do with this. You know? As we're seeing Spanish, you know, when I first got into the business, I would have never imagined a Spanish language station in Walla Walla. Never. In Des Moines. Mm-hmm. There, there are multiple stations in Walla Walla. There are people fighting it out in Walla mm-hmm. Walla for your Spanish language. I just like that we're saying Walla Walla. <laughs> it's like Walla Larry Dollar. King. <laughs> it's about as American as it gets. You know, so I'm picturing, okay, you know, some dude pulls up to a stoplight and he's banging some Spanish music on his Walla Walla radio station. And there are two or three cats waiting at the same stoplight that aren't digging at coming out of his car. Yeah. yeah, that aren't because that's not what they grew up with in Walla Walla, right, right? But if they had a chance to have a beer with this guy, they'd realize that he's actually more than likely a pretty decent guy. Yeah. Uh, and there was one example which I thought was uh, was very telling. This was the town that had voted overwhelmingly for Trump. I mean, like ninety something percent for Trump. And there was one guy who owned a local restaurant who was a really decent dude. He would have a fundraiser for the school football team every year, and he'd have a fundraiser at the restaurant for the fire department and the police department. And guess what? The guy was undocumented. So as soon as he went into deportation proceedings, the town was up in arms. Like, how could you deport this guy? This guy has been such a... He's one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. He's not one of the good ones. He's He's the only one you know. 90% 90% are that guy, yeah. if not more. Right. Sure, there are some that are causing all kinds of shit that they shouldn't be, and I'm the first one to tell you to kick them the hell out. But the great majority are that guy. And the difference is you've broken bread with that guy. You understand who that guy is. He's no longer this unknown, faceless entity. You know, He's a decent dude. But you see that across the board. I mean, you know, whether it be immigrants or blacks, gays, you know, once the average person has an opportunity to quote unquote get to know one, right. you know, it's like, huh? People, it's like, it's people like fear what they're not comfortable with. Yeah, right. And, right. And that just goes across the board. But I mean, like you said, you hope we'll exist in Tolhau. I mean, everybody's nobody's nobody's perfect. That's just part of the human condition. But you can't label one culture or nationality just horrible, you know, to begin with. So I want to bring it back to the project for a moment. So tell our listeners where they can access the project and yeah. and find information about, obviously, what you guys are doing, but the videos and the interviews. Yeah, sure. They can go online. We're at immigrantarchiveproject.org. Uh, they can look us up on YouTube. We've got hundreds of videos on YouTube at an Immigrant Archive Project, the YouTube page. Um, we've got about... I don't know if it's five to ten different segments uh, on a monthly basis on Azteca America, which is oh, a wow. Spanish language television network. 
Um, so yeah, those are those are all different platforms to consume our, our content. And I gotta say, actually, DJ and I had thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be part of the project earlier. We, yes, we, we're very humbled by it. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> damn. We we want to come talk to you. We didn't think anybody would want to talk to us. Um, hear our story. We, we, I can't we, wait to go home and tell my family I'm in the yeah, in project. project. I mean that's that's pretty damn cool. And there's just something about sitting there and, and just talking, you know, just just kind of. Obviously, everybody's experience is different, but it's just talking about where we come from, you know, because on some level, yeah, we're talking about ourselves, but we're not. We're talking about a bigger picture. It is. It really is a much bigger picture. And and everyone I've ever interviewed sort of approaches it in the same way. As a matter of fact, I was looking at an interview I did with Edward James almost mm-hmm. this morning that we're, 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 we're transcribing. And before, he's, he's mic'd up, he's on camera. And before we start the interview, he's like, well, you know... Compared to all these other stories I saw, my story is not really, you know. And then he had everybody in tears 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And everybody approaches it that way. Like, oh, compared to some of the other stories, my story isn't really. But once you sit down and you become sort of a little introspective and you start sharing some of these memories and, and whether it's your personal story or what your parents went through or what your grandparents went through or how different perhaps your upbringing has been from so many other people that are just like us. They've been living in this country forever. Yeah. Um, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. It's 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 been the single most gratifying work I've done in a thirty plus year career. I was about to ask you. Actually, that was going to be my next question in terms of, <coughs> you know, have you found that people when they approach this project, they feel that they don't have a story, but we all have a story. Absolutely, absolutely, and. So you've been around for about 10 years. Where do you see the project in another 10? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, I would like that 10 years from now, the project is where I would have hoped it was today. And that's far less important of a project. I would never imagine in 2008 that 10 years later, immigrants would be more under attack, would be less understood, uh, would be more fearful. In, in in our first few years, we had so many undocumented immigrants willing to share their stories. I can't get a single undocumented immigrant to sit in of front course. of a mic. Right. I can't. I can't. They're all so fearful. As a matter of fact, I've heard from some asking me to take their stories down. That's yeah. sad. If I would please remove their story from the project, that they 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 they're fearful for themselves and their families. It's it's quite remarkable in a sense because. I think about like Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. You go to Ellis Island and, and you, you see this place, you see the museum, and it gives you like a, a great sense of pride. This is how our country was built. These people came here. They were the backbone of our country. Look how far we've come. And yet, and, and that celebrates it. Ellis Island is a celebration of the immigrant experience a hundred years ago. That's why I said at the beginning of our interview, progress. You would think that we have made so much progress since then, and it, we're going. We took two steps forward, and now we're taking three steps back. Easily, easily, and especially with all of the immigrant contributions. You know, I mean, you look at Fortune 500 companies. I think better than 25 percent there have been founded by an immigrant or by the son or daughter of an immigrant. You know, some of the biggest contributions to our country. <laughs> Just were made were made by immigrants. So yeah, absolutely. The 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 immigrant story is the quintessential American story. There is no more American story than the story of an immigrant. 
It's who founded the United States. Call them pilgrims if you want, but they were immigrants. <laughs> they were immigrants. They were looking yeah. for a better life somewhere else because yeah. stuff wasn't working out wherever they came from. Yeah. England wasn't cutting it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. So that, 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 that narrative, that journey, that desire is still the same. It's still the same. They may speak English. They may speak Spanish. They may speak Mandarin. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the same journey. No. No, that's why it's important. You know, we always say this in, in, in all of our episodes. We, we try to, in each episode, give something to our listeners that they can learn. And that's why we always stress the importance of history. Yeah. Because you have to know your history. You have to know your history. Because if you know your history, you know what you just said. That immigration is the true American story. And when you don't know that, then you just see these people coming in as people coming in. And what are they doing here? That was fantastic. That was, wow. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm, just like, I'm not used to being so deep on a, on a Tuesday. Uh, no, I mean... That was just absolutely fantastic. And I, I mean, I kind of want to ask, you know, what's the story that sticks out the most of all the stories, the interviews that you've that you've heard? I don't know if it would off the bat be the, the, the Parkland mother, because that's I'm going to take that with me. Like, absolutely. I won't forget that. Yeah. I don't know if that's, you know, the, the one that sticks out the most. Also, probably one of the more recent ones. So that would, you know. You know, her story is very unique, very sadly enough, so incredibly unique. But it's very difficult to say, it's impossible to mm-hmm. say, here are my top three, <laughs> right, you know, right. favorite stories, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you when you interview uh, a woman who's now uh, an Ivy League, um, she went to an Ivy League uh, law school as an attorney and decided to make her life's work uh, starting a foundation that helps underprivileged girls in L.A. And you rewind the tape and you go back to a time when she was a five-year-old girl homeless in a park with her single mother and she tells you her life story and we come to the end and I ask her well let's go back to the park let's go back to the darkest days in your life there has to be one happy memory from that time what was that happy memory and she starts to cry on camera and she thanks me for asking her that question she said I've never told anybody this because no one's ever taken the trouble to ask she says I remember um my mother had a small transistor radio, battery-powered radio, and she would tune in her favorite Spanish-language station in, in L.A. And at night, I remember my mom coming to me one night and pulling me over and saying, Mija, come, I'm going to show you how to dance so that when you're a young lady and a young man invites you to a dance, mm-hmm. you'll know how. And I learned to dance, my homeless mother and I, under the stars in a park in L.A., listening to music in a little transistor radio. Wow. Damn it, Tony. Yeah, I, could no, kind of picture, I could kind of picture it, you know. It's a movie, man. Yeah, you it's see a movie. It. You see it. I was brought to tears. You see it. And that this little homeless girl, with that reality, uh, she says, in the midst of this, I made a conscious decision at that age. I said, this is not going to be my lot in life. I want my life to mean more. And I'm going to do everything I can to study. And she didn't stop until she graduated from... Harvard Law School. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And rather than going off to Wall Street to do mm-hmm. something, she decided to, you know, dedicate her life to helping other girls and preventing yeah. other girls from learning how to dance in a park with a homeless mother. Right. Right. What would you say, though, especially since, I mean, obviously, since you co-founded this and you kind of had a vision as to what you were going to be doing, 
What would you say in doing these 1,000 plus interviews has surprised you the most? Well, it's a really great question. What has surprised me the most? Huh. I can't say that this surprised me the most, but it certainly, I certainly realized how unremarkable my life has been, how truly unremarkable <laughs> my life has been. I kid you not. Or the life of my parents or the people that I grew up around. We thought, wow, we had a, you know, we come from particularly great stock and we pulled ourselves up. It's nothing. It's nothing compared to what so, what to so many people, what so many people go through. Another thing that really surprised me was how really incredibly universal this experience is. You know, I can, I can pull up interviews from, uh, you know, an African professor, a Vietnamese art director, a, a Cuban Peter Pan uh, kid who grew up to be the CEO of AT&T. And in the case of the Vietnamese and the Cuban, it's an identical story. It really is an identical, identical, identical story. I can pull up that African university professor and juxtapose his story against Dr. Eduardo Padron, who's president of Miami-Dade, and the stories are not, not dissimilar. Um, so it's, we are so much more alike than we are unalike. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. At the end of the day, we all have the same, the same needs and the same aspirations. You know, we want to live in peace. Mm -hmm. We want to watch our children grow and thrive. We want to find meaning in our lives. And that doesn't matter if you grew up in, you know, sub-Saharan desert or in Santo Domingo or in Cienfuego. Yeah. You know, it's all the same thing. I think that's a, I don't know about you, a perfect note to, I, to end this on. Because, yeah, I, I mean, that was beautifully said. Yeah, I'm a little tripped up right now. I'm not going to lie. Damn it. Just thank you, Tony. <laughs> thank you for, you know, for the interview and also just for allowing us the experience of of sharing time with you and, and getting to really understand a little bit more, not just for us, but for our listeners about the Immigration Archive Project. And I really do hope, listeners, that you all take the opportunity to seek it out online. I mean, it's right there at your fingertips. I know you're already listening because you're listening <laughs> to the podcast and you're on your phone. So, you know, just when this is done, you can click over to the Safari app and, you know, just go to the... Android uh, would be the Chrome app. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> My bias is showing. Um, and visit the site. And I'm assuming you guys have presence also on social media as well yeah correct? we do we do there's an immigrant archive project facebook page and Fantastic. twitter feed and yeah, so we'll definitely uh link to that on our social media as Fantastic. well so they can find it a little easier i know people like a path and soon they'll be able to see your stories on there too because we'll be we'll, we'll be editing about, those up yeah, and we'll then teeing about, them up shortly we'll let we'll let you know i i, I still can't believe that we're part of this i <laughs> Yeah, I'm like so humbled. It, it's, it's a very humbling experience, and and I again we thank you for no, for your time. I thank you guys for coming in and sharing your stories with us. That's extremely valuable. I appreciate that. You're doing a great thing. Yeah, um, this is doing a great thing. Um, as we spoke prior to you know starting the interview, you know we have listeners in Cambodia, in you know Australia, in, in Australia, the UK, and, the Netherlands, and just for them to hear this perspective is is important. Th these are the type of conversations that are the these are the conversations that are important. Not who's right, who's wrong, who's left, who's right. It's stuff like this, the Thank human you. element.
Welcome back, listeners. I almost call them viewers again. I, I, the, the amount of times that I want to call them viewers is just not cute. Which, by the way, we do have a YouTube page, guys. So if you haven't checked it out yet, we got a couple of videos up there of our interviews from the Amigos for Kids, as well as DJ doing the Colada Challenge. Mm -hmm. and Many more to come. Yes. And I think actually, well, I don't think our, our Britney video is on the YouTube uh, channel. We, we need to change we need that. To, we need to Your change Britney that. video is very popular. We got a lot of comments about <laughs> our Britney video. Oh, sorry, our Britney um Special yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, seven the, minute yeah. uh, episode that we had twenty one point five, and again we want to stress that that was completely us. We weren't trying. We weren't trying at all. No, it, it was us just checking out the microphones. And, and literally one of us started, and the other one lo siguió la, la, la corriente. corriente yeah. And yeah, it was all Britney all the time. So <laughs> anyway, so here we are, last sodas. Yes, last soda time. So uh, I mean, do you want to go first? I've got mine you ready could to go. go. First. All right, so. I am actually, I'm going to give my last soda to somebody who I, th I think you are probably never going to expect that I'm going to, that I'm going to bust out with. And my last soda is actually going to go to Drake. Uh, I like Drake. Well, I, I love Drake, right. but he's done two things very right recently. I may, I may steal your thunder a bit. Okay, okay. He did the whole God's plan song and video here okay. in Miami. Right. And then of course that was fantastic. And yeah. that was fantastic. And then he did Emotionless, which samples Mariah. Nope, not what I was gonna go with. Oh damn it. I was gonna go with the video for I'm upset because it stages a massive Degrassi reunion. Oh yes. And yes, I yes, yes, yes. I am such Wheelchair a fan. And all. Yes, I am such a fan of Degrassi and it's I mean it was, you know, Jimmy and Nina Dobrev was there and Mark I'm confusing all of the character names and it was just so cute to see them all together yeah. and like even Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes were in I there. I haven't seen the whole video. I've seen only snippets I of it. I loved it. Okay, I well, loved let's it. Let's go that, check out the, and, the whole video. You guys should just check it out. If you're a fan of Degrassi, absolutely do it. I still love every time I see Drake, all I see is a wheelchair, not going to lie. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, Avery. Come on. <laughs> he actually, with this album, it's called Scorpion, right? I think so, yeah. He has like seven songs in the Billboard Top 10. Is It's a double album, right? Yeah, but like seven songs charted. How is it a double album if it's digital? That's a great yeah. question. <laughs> 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 Like, <laughs> Whoever can yeah. answer that question, please pod, yeah. please email us. Let us know. Yeah. At pod, what is it? Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> Ow. Ow. It's like, oh, it's a double album. No, it's what just 42 what, songs. What, what album? Oh, when I think double albums, I always think of. Because it was very big when we were in high school mm -hmm. at Smashing Pumpkins. Yes, uh, with Melancholy and, and the Infinite yeah, Sadness. Uh -huh. so yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like a double album, yeah. and that was like a big deal. And I believe Life After Death by Biggie was also a double album. But yeah, you make a good point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I I would give I I you know I share your last Coke with Drake because have you heard Emotionless? No, I haven't. No, it's it's. I like Drake, but I'm not a Drake fan per it's, se. It's emotions. By Mariah. Oh, really? It's the song. It's her song. The, 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 the emotion. No, it's the song, and he raps over it. Is it's it? it's not that he used like a beat or a, a sample. The entire song. So it, she's literally like singing, and he's singing the verses, on top of her. The verses. Uh huh. They loop the ver. They loop the chorus. Oh, okay. But, okay, the, okay, okay, but okay. the the music is constant, so it's not like you know it's a, like one sample. And then the song oh, okay, is it's it. not like okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. It's literally like the song. They strip the vocals and they overlaid him. Essentially, on, on the verses, yes, it's huh. it's great, it's great, and it's it's I think number seven on Billboard right now. So Mariah gets whom 
I love. She gets credited. She gets. She doesn't get credit as I an artist, she but, but she's she gets credit as a songwriter. Okay, because it's her song. So look at that. So so thank you for that. Drake. So thank you, Avery. <laughs> thank you, Avery. Yes, <laughs> that's like one more reason to love Canada. Well, who doesn't love Canada? I'm just saying. I don't know. Maybe people with a maple syrup allergy. That's like you. Now that you call it Drake Avery, you know, con quién eso a mí me pasa. <laughs> with the weekend, I love love the weekend. I mean, you know how much I love the what weekend. Do you call him Thursday? No, I call him Abel. Oh, <laughs> that's his name. His name is Abel. His name is Abel. Abel. The weekend se llama Abel. Abel. Another Canadian se llama Abel, and it's so funny because I'm like, have you listened to Abel's song? And people are like. What? I'm like, why? the weekend. Why, why are these like mixed race Canadians changing their names when they come over here? Are they escaping some type of Mountie tax evasion? Abel. So for those of you who didn't know, the weekend, all, you know, sensuous and, you know, See, dirty 50 as shades is, of everything. Uh-huh. The weekend se llama Abel. Abel. But he's, he's not Hispanic, right? He's No. He's, I forget where he, what he is. I, I forget what he's he is. He's Canadian. But he, he's, he's mixed. See, 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 that's what I'm saying. See, yeah. see, see, Maybe it's a pattern. I think he's from Toronto. Pero bueno. Bueno, that's a good last Coke. That is, yes, yes, yes. So my last Coke of the desert goes to, it's a little bit of a stale last Coke. Oh, no. Un poquitico singa. No, I know. Bueno, actually, no. Because Ay, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's oh, not, no, that it's, sounds horrible. It's <laughs> not something new. I give my last Coke. Coke or soda of the desert this week to the newsroom. And when I mean the newsroom, I mean the HBO drama, which yeah. wrapped up production like two years ago. <laughs> so I'm a little bit behind the yes. times. Next week, he's going to give his soda to that groundbreaking sitcom, Facts of Life. <laughs> <laughs> so groundbreaking. It's right? so groundbreaking. You know what? We need to have, let's, let's, let's remember, okay. we need to have. A future episode where we talk about the, the greatest novelas of all time. Absolutely. Like Ruby, Cristal. You know what? And we're going to flip it around. Listeners. Maleficio, Maria Elena. Listeners, leave us a comment in the next. Actually, you know what? Maybe we'll do a, one of those Insta question story yes. things. Tell us which novelas you think we should talk about or which novela actors, actresses. Basically, any any, any novela yeah. related. Any novela con Lucia Mende, Veronica Castro. Talia. Talia, of course. Um, ¿Cómo se llama? Hey, Andrés García. Ah, sí, 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 sí. Andrés yeah, yeah, yeah. García, you know. We can't forget La Uña de Gato. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, back to the newsroom. Uh, the show is phenomenal. And again... I'm I'm kind of promoting a show that it's already got his fingers ended. on the pulse, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ended. But no, I've always heard that that show was great. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things I never, for one reason or another, I never saw it. And I started watching it this week, and it just it blew my mind. The first episode, the very first opening the, scene the with Jeff Daniels, the monologue is just it is fantastic. And what I love, you would enjoy it, is that the dialogue is like. Man, it's it's Aaron Sorkin though. That's why it's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, yeah. It's so quick. It's right attack. They do those, you know, typical Aaron Sorkin, you know, long hallway chats where I've never been in a hallway that long. <laughs> Not even the freaking breezeway at our high school was that they long. Do, they do the same thing in suits. In suits, it's like they have <laughs> these like God. major conversations going down the hallway, and I'm like, I think when they film this, they keep adding like you know sets. They like, keep... I don't think there's subway tunnels that are that long. But anyway, people, for those of you who haven't seen the newsroom, it's on Amazon Prime. The whole series. It's oh, only okay. three seasons. Only on HBO Go, too. Uh, it's phenomenal. And it really gives an insight as to not only the news industry, but, uh, you know, a lot of times to the kind of um, 
compromises that newscasters have to, uh, you know, compromises they have to make in order of mm -hmm. what is newsworthy versus what gets viewers. True. No, there's a lot of compromises, I think, in the world of media. Like, another, for example, you always make me wear pants while we record. Right. And that's a compromise that I make. That's a compromise you can't, because if not, you leave streaks on my chairs exactly and we don't want that no no but one wants that was just no. tmi that was just no. I know. tmi I know. even for you but i feel like our listeners deserve it <laughs> anyway so yes the newsroom people and that's it i guess that's it yeah that's wow it. Damn, we, packed, we packed a lot in this episode i know we're like one of those roller bags I'm really excited about the novela episode. I know. It's, I mean, it's going to be a ways off, kids, because we got we got some great stuff coming up. Not going to lie. We do we got do. some great guests coming up. So the novela one, we're going to save that for another one where it's literally just you and me. Right. We should start like... I mean, unless we can get Lucia Mende. What is she doing now? <laughs> Probably getting facelift. Listen, let's try to uh, contact Alia so we could do a Skype call with her. Listen, don't, 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 no. Don't say that to me. Don't, don't get me all excited. Oh, you know who we could try to get? I, you know who would be great if we could get? Oh, she I mean, she's not doing anything per se, but Itati Cantoral. You read my mind. Let me tell you something. <laughs> if Itati Cantoral comes on this show, I will make her redo <laughs> La Maldita Lisiada scene. Can I be in the wheelchair? <laughs> Can I be that? And those listeners out there, you know what we're talking about. Can I be La Maldita Lisiada? <laughs> I always tell you, I always tell you, of all her soap operas, of Talia's soap operas, the one I like the most was Marimar. I liked Marimar a lot. I liked the story. It's cute. It's, it's really great. cute. She was like so pretty at, you know, at that point. Not that she's the, not pretty now. Not but that she's pretty now, but it's the, the cutest it was the one that she did. the perfect time of everything. It was the right. cutest one that she did. You know, she had pulgoso and all that. It was almost fairy tale like But as much as I like Marimar, my favorite is Maria del Barrio because of Soraya. Because I, let me tell you something. I'm going to make a very bold statement. A very bold statement. And our listeners out there, okay. maybe you agree or disagree with me. Okay. I put Soraya up there in one of the top, great in my list, of best villains of all time. And let me tell you, the person who tops that list for me Darth is Vader. Darth Vader. I agree. So she's in that list. So the fact that she... <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, it's like, you know, Satan, Darth Vader... Soraya. Soraya. <laughs> Soraya. Like I mean, her. the fact that that woman survived a fall from a building, was able to kill a man and get his inheritance. And she had a plan. She had a plan. But you know what? Let's not, let's not go into this let's now. Because we want to we save that for our <laughs> novela episode. We're, yes. we're, getting, we're getting carried away. We always away. get ahead of ourselves. We're getting carried away. Oh. It's a good topic. It is. It's our, anyway, our favorite. It's not the Bueno, everybody, grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your jupina, and have a great day. And we hope you listened, you laughed, and you learned. Yes. And actually, before we sign off, guys, this Saturday, for those of you who are in the South Florida area, we're actually going to be at the Tank Brewery for an event with Ecumi Miami. Yes. And our um, friend Martha of Miami. Our friend Martha of Miami. So if you guys are in the area, um, you know, go check it out. It, should, it promises to be a lot of fun. They're going to have some performances. And, you know, it's always cool to get out there and do things locally. Yeah, tomar cerveza. Hell yeah. That's what you go to the brewery for. <laughs> anyway, well, everybody, have a great day. And as always, thank you for listening. All bye. right, guys. Bye. On the boats and on the How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.